It's the Real Roots Radio podcast, on-demand content highlighting the best information and entertainment from the Real Roots Radio team. Here's Daniel Mullen sitting down with one of today's top music makers on Real Roots Radio. Stephen Mojan, commonly referred to as Mojo in the world of bluegrass, is our special guest on Real Roots Radio today. How are you doing today, Mojo? I'm great, Daniel. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, no problem. Always glad to literally have some good mojo on uh, Real Roots Radio. The song Railroad Man appears on your brand new album, Ordinary Soul. And from what I've heard, there's quite a story behind this song. Why don't you share it with us? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting one. Uh, the song itself is something that Becky and uh, Becky Bowler and I put together a number of years ago. But the story is actually um, the, the song is about an old fiddle, which was actually uh, belonged to my father in law, and he was in uh, Slovak public television and was a collector of violins. And he did um, he did a bunch of um, of documentaries on different builders and, and stuff. And he was able to run across this old railroad man who made some spectacular instruments and made this fiddle out of an old wardrobe. And the darn thing sounds amazing. Uh, he, he ended up buying it from the guy and, um, we actually have it here. It's an amazing instrument. It sounds fantastic. You can still see the wormholes in uh, what was the old uh, wardrobe that he carved the wood out of. Wow. And so I showed it to Becky one day, and we talked about that story, and we thought it was pretty interesting. And and my father-in-law always called that the railroad man fiddle. You know, he just referred to it as that. And so Becky and I manufactured a story about a railroad man who would who would come out on the platform and and play his fiddle and this this young boy would come and watch him every day kind of thing and then in the end he hands the fiddle or the the station master hands the fiddle to the boy when the railroad man has since departed um which we thought was just kind of a neat uh, very bluegrassy kind of story and then i got uh, sam bush to come in and play some fiddle magic on there and it um it turned out better than i hoped i mean it's just a, a really fun tune um, and it's got a real fiddle banjo kind of thing. We, I wrote a little instrumental, fiddly instrumental for it, for the front and the uh, back of the song. And I think it's tied together really nicely. I think it sounds fairly authentic. And it's a mostly, it, it, all the facts about the fiddle are totally true. Everything that's in there. Anytime you got railroads and rosin, you know you're doing something right. Yeah, man. <laughs> railroads and rosin. I like that. Good combo. Absolutely. I'm so glad you had Sam Bush play the fiddle on this song because, you know, while he's predominantly known as a mandolin player, I have always been a fan of Sam's fiddle playing. You work with Sam. Uh, what's it? Uh, what's it like calling your boss man to help you out on one of your songs versus the other way around, which I'm sure the what you're probably more used to? Well, you know what? Uh, one of the marvelous things about Sam and the way he runs his organization, the way he runs the band. It's such a collaborative thing that it really, it didn't feel much different than when I was in the studio with him. Um, he okay. encourages folks to, to throw out ideas and to help arrange things. And, and that's the way I work in the studio anyways. So calling him in on this was, was not a, a thing, you know, it wasn't, wasn't really any different for me. Uh, because I'm used to collaborating with him. It's a special thing when you get to hear 
that come through the speakers on a tune that you wrote and are singing on. Uh, that is that is pretty cool, um, for sure. And and just the experience of being in the studio with him is it's always fun. I always learn something. It's great to hear how he thinks, um, but it's also great to see him being human and uh, and you know making musical decisions, some choices that that work and some that don't work and. Uh, you know, refining that process. It's really interesting to see how that all goes down. I really enjoy that. And I learn a lot from that. And it's an inspiration to know that, you know, not everybody plays the, the best thing right out of the gate. You're going to gonna take a second to do it and figure out what, what the song really needs. And that's one of the things that Sam and all the guys in the Sam band are really great at capturing the essence of the song and not just playing hoodly hoodly licks because that's what they can do. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really crucial for me. And that's one of the reasons I wanted those guys on the particular songs. I got them on. There were, um, there's, uh, I guess, four or five songs that have the Sam band on it. And, and it was to allow them to play for the song. And I knew they really would serve the song. Um, the, the latest, uh, the song that I call home, that's a tune that, there's no solos. There's nothing flashy in it at all. There's a little melody lick that Ned came up with and echoed it, and that's it. And we talked about having some solos, and everybody agreed. It's just a story, and, and folks need to hear what it says and not be distracted by other things. And, um, you know, it takes a very mature musician to to make those kind of decisions. And uh, that's, you know, I continue to learn from Sam and, and all the guys in the band and it's uh, it's a thrill to have them playing on my record. It it really is. It's fun to press play and realize who's playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you mentioned some of these lessons that you've learned with uh, the way that musicians mature in their thinking and their approach as both an artist and a producer. Now the name up front on your own album. What are some more of these lessons that uh, you've learned through your years of experience behind the the control panel and in front of the microphone that you applied to your own album, but also that you would give as advice to any other young musicians out there when it comes time to make a record or make music? One of the biggest things that I've learned is to to be flexible and to um, and to be open to other musical ideas. Uh, I guess as young folks, we're all pretty headstrong and convinced that whatever we come up with must be the thing. And um, I'm certainly as guilty of that as, as anybody might be. But, but being okay with, with listening to somebody else's idea in a meaningful way and, and allowing that to take precedence over what I had in mind um, if it's truly better now, giving all the ideas a shot and that's something that takes takes a little doing um but i think it's really important and when you have a collective of great minds allowing them to to offer input and suggestions about the song and truly consider those ideas and options before moving on that i think is is a, a really valuable thing uh and it's it's really a cornerstone of how i produce uh, I, I want people to be here and be musical. And that's first and foremost. I don't hire people for the way that they play necessarily, but the way that they think. Um, and so that's, that's something I think is a, a pretty meaningful thing to think about as you're, you're getting your sea legs in the music world, be, 
being open to other musical ideas. Um, and then, uh, you know, being flexible and being reactive. You don't always have to take the lead. You can, you can answer rather than lead. And that sometimes is some of the most beautiful things that you can hear in the background on a record as somebody plays something and someone else responds to that. And you hear the whole band listening to each other. I think that's a really amazing thing. You mentioned the way that a musician thinks more so than the way they play. You know, that's something that I, I've heard as well from people that have been around the business for a while is sometimes it's not about what you can play. It's about what you choose to play. And that that is that a lot of times is what makes the difference is there. You know, there's a lot of pickers out there that they could play anything, but it's what they choose to play that that really matters. Absolutely. Well, you know, going back to that, the song that I call home, Sam's playing mandolin all through there and, and it starts really sparse. And I swear he plays almost nothing for the first two verses. But every time he plays something, it's the thing you want to hear. You just, you know, you're, you're glued to every note he plays because he's not just going hoodly hoodly over the, the thing. And, and it, it really makes a huge impact. So when we get to the bridge and he's doing his high tremolo octaves and it pushes right into the bridge, it's an amazingly exciting thing because he's left so much space before that moment that he really has a place to go. And that's folks talk about playing dynamically. It's not just about volume. It's also about intensity and it's about uh, quantity of notes. And that's, you know, he's, he's a pro. He just, he knows what to do. And it's a, uh, it's a thrill. And of course, when he's in the studio with you, you play differently and those around him play differently. And that's, that's just, that's part of the magic. Visiting with uh, Stephen Mojan talking about his new album, Ordinary Soul out today uh, from Dark Shadow Recording. You mentioned the, the Sam Bush band that you that you're a part of. Who were some of the other guest musicians that you had in the studio and on this new album? Well, yeah, um, it, honestly, I sort of chunked it into three distinct bands. There was the Sam Band stuff, which is more new grassy, more Americani. The, the Railroad Man, I, you know, bluegrassy, new grassy. I don't know how you want to call that. And then I had a straight ahead bluegrass band, which did three cuts, uh, and that was Ned Lubarecki. We had Laura Orshaw on fiddle, Corey Pyatt on mandolin, Alan Bartram on bass. We had a variety of uh, harmony singers on those. And then I had uh, a country band, an acoustic country band. We had Mike Bubb on bass. We had Laura Orshaw and Becky Buller uh, doing live twin fiddles and Corey Pyatt on mandolin. And then um, uh, on those, let's see, we had that cut with the, the Gibson Brothers, um, the, which was our second single called A Place for the Fool. And that's a real, you know, country shuffle. It's a 50, 60 great price sounding um, tune. And I really, I don't know, my interests are, are pretty broad in music. And I didn't want this to just be a straight ahead traditional bluegrass album. I didn't want it to just be a totally bluegrassy album. I didn't want it to be totally um, classic country, but those are huge influences on who I am and what I do. And I wanted them represented. And I had songs that I'd written that were in those styles already. So I just sort of, once I picked the song, songs that I wanted to have, it was pretty obvious what kinds of bands I wanted to put together. And, um, you know, it just, it came together so nicely. I mean, it was four days of, of track, band tracking and uh, just a, a beautiful time. Well, you mentioned how on 
specific tracks, you like to have those dynamics and let things breathe. And that contrast can really um, highlight, uh, make things really stand out. The same thing goes with when you look at the album in general, having that variety of textures and having a little bit of contrast really makes things shine a little bit more, more so than if everything was mashing and B, you know, so... Absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that I teach when I do my band coaching workshops. Um, you can't have fast without slow. Yeah. You can't have loud without soft. You've got to have some kind of variation in that so that people can maintain interest. They, folks, their attention span sort of get numb if, if it's all the same, whether it's the same blazing fast or the same really slow anywhere in between if you hear five hours of blue ridge cabin home you're going to be tired of it so trying to vary that i think is it's an important thing for me i i get i lose focus pretty quickly i i I call it musical add i like things to change i like uh, variation in sound in texture in uh in harmony stacks in instrumentation that's one of my favorite things about playing with the Sam band. Uh, if you're even remotely bored with the style you're playing, give it one song because you'll be doing something different. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, and just like, you know, when you're in, when you're in middle school and you learn about colors in art class, and you learn about complementary colors and contrast, you know, there's a reason red and green look better together because when Absolutely. your eye sees that, it, the green makes the red look redder and the red makes the green look greener, just like, you know, orange and blue. That contrast is good. That's why you don't see a lot of, you know, sports teams that, whose three colors are black, charcoal, and navy because none of them would stand out. They'd all kind of just meld together into a big blob. You know, you would. that's why you see white writing on black paper or black writing on white paper, because it stands out. And just like when you look For at a sure. record, if if they're all the same note, if it's all the same thing, you're not going to spot the intricacies as much as you're going to spot the similarities. And you can highlight right. that variety if there is a if there is a variety in a in a great mix of textures and little some contrast. Some sharp edges are okay, you know. Yes, yeah, no, I, I, I everything you said. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> that's the way that I approach um, approach anything I'm producing. I like it to have a variety of of flavor in it, you know confined by whatever genre we're we're looking to do with the artist but um you know it's it really is about making the best music we can uh getting the right players in and and letting them have their way with the tunes in a meaningful way and you know seeing what we can come up with and i assure you that some of these tunes are not the way that i pictured they would come out and i i'm very happy about that um because I think it's important to again let everybody be themselves on the record and and uh, bring what they can. What are some of the challenges that you have faced on trying to release an album during a pandemic? Oh man! <laughs> well, I went there. Uh, so. My album release <laughs> my, my album release party was canceled, so there's that. Um, it's hard to get anybody. Uh, you know, in the, in the media blitz, it's really hard to get anyone to pay attention even more so than normal because everybody is, is sort of pigeonholed into this, Hey, we're, we're hanging from home and we can send you a video. 
Well, everybody's doing that right now, including the really big stars. And it's it's harder to cut through the noise uh, at this point than ever before, which, you know, I see for everybody else that's trying to put out stuff. I feel very fortunate that we had this in the can before the pandemic. So I was able to even proceed because otherwise it would have just been a really dry year for us. And, um, and that's not good either. I'm, I'm in one way, I'm happy that we're putting it out because I think putting music of quality out into the world, that's, that's my job. That's what I do. And I think it's a good time for folks to have some new music to listen to. Um, I hope mine lives up to that task and, um, you know, everything else we're doing here, but it is, it's frustrating. It's a, it's a challenge. Um, it's, it's hard for the ego to take <laughs> a little bit sometimes, but, um, but what are you going to do? You know, this is the first album I've ever commercially released, believe it or not. I've been part of so many records and produced and engineered a lot of other records, but this is my first one. And of course I picked this year to put it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great project. It's ordinary soul from Steven Mojan. Great variety of, uh, of songs and with some really talented uh, friends helping an old Mojo out. Now, Mojo, you are doing something pretty cool tonight on Facebook for folks that want to learn more about the record. Tell us about uh, this uh, virtual celebration of the album. If, uh, if folks want to join the fun online tonight. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I yearn for the days when folks would sit around in a living room and drop the needle on a record and just sit there and enjoy the record together, chat about it, make some comments, joke with each other. And I was trying to figure out how I could ca- kind of capture that. I, we've got the studio here. I could invite people here, but then we've got the pandemic. So that's not a possibility. So we've settled on a, um, uh, a live stream listening party. And what's going to happen, we've got six of the people involved in the record that are going to tune in via Zoom. And I'm going to play the album down uh, from my computer so everybody will be, everyone will be able to hear song by song the entire record. And then after each one, you know, I'll introduce the tune and talk about who's playing on it. And then after each one, we'll, we'll open up the floor for a couple of the folks in the room to, um, to chat about it and either give some insight on the, the tracking sessions or something they heard that they liked or, or a note that they played that they wish they didn't, or <laughs> who knows where this <laughs> yeah. is going to go. But, but we've got uh, Dan Bush, Laura Orshaw, Alan Bartram, uh, and uh, one of my co-writers, uh, Beth Wood, and Eric Gibson, uh, all joining us to, um, tonight for the uh, 7 p.m. Central on Facebook Live, and you can find that on the Stephen Mojan uh, fan page or Dark Shadow Recording fan page. We'll be kind of multi-streaming all at once. So I'm sure you can find us if you're looking. And I don't know if it's going to be interesting to anyone. I'm going to enjoy getting to spend an evening talking about music with my friends, and that's really um, that's, that's what I can do. <laughs> Oh, it'll be a ton of fun. 7 p.m. Central. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time uh, for a lot of our local listeners here on Real Roots Radio. It's tonight, uh, Friday, July the 31st. Go to Stephen Mojan's Facebook page or Dark Shadow Recordings Facebook page to join Stephen and Sam Bush and Laura Orshaw and Eric Gibson and a whole lot of the the friends and and accomplices on this new record uh, to learn more behind-the-scenes scoops and uh, just enjoy a ton of fun learning 
learning more about Ordinary Soul. It's been a blast having you on the program today. You mentioned your Facebook page. Where can folks go to listen and learn more about your new album, Ordinary Soul? You know, the, the easiest place is to just go to darkshadowrecording.com. Uh, there's links there. I've got my own website as well, but folks have trouble spelling my name. So we'll just go darkshadowrecording.com. That'll get you there. And, um, you know, there's the, all the info you could possibly want right there for pre-orders and the whole nine yards. I am doing a 15% off at the Dark Shadow Recording website for, uh, let's see, until Saturday. So, Oh, great. I want to want to pick up the new record they can yeah get it now get it on sale at darkshadowrecording.com thank you so much for joining us on the program today mojo it's been a real treat oh thanks as always i appreciate uh, all you do for bluegrass music whether you're at the honky tonk or the back porch we're your home for all things country real roots radio